Welcome to another week's edition of Good Band, Bad Band, where we have two musical artists whose names sound similar, but the music sounds different. This week, we're discussing 30 Seconds to Mars Volta. Jared. I am Dax. Caleb. Tyler. You really blew that one out of the park, didn't you, bud? You really did. That Thank was, you. That was a good one. I tried to be as slow as possible. I really felt the emotion from that one. Yeah, it's know? quite emotive. Yes. Quite indeed. I don't know if I could do the rest of the episode now. I'm so touched. You went on method. Mm. I I believe that this is going to be quite quite a good episode. We got some some real experimental rock groups going on That's here. Right. Yeah, I, don't know. I, would Two not, of them. I would only agree with half of that. Yeah, I know you would. That's why I said it, because I knew that that's how you would feel. I, there are people, we're just going to jump right in, we're talking about 30 Seconds to Mars. There are people who would say that their music is experimental. Yeah, I know. I read it, and it made me vomit every time I read it. They use it a lot. <laughs> they use the word a lot, and I'm like, no. They really see them as like a, a really artsy Wh- band. <laughs> why? They try to do things. Things to get on the radio? They did They did things that were, like, kind of grand, I Just would suppose. argue. Like, there was um, how they had fans come in and do the vocal parts for their albums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, I like the, uh, out, the artwork for the America album. I like the idea behind what they did with it. Yeah, I like that, too. It was interesting. Yeah, I Can't... like the idea. Every album cover is different. Well, you know, there are probably duplicates, but, you know, they have multiple covers. Right. Spanning different words that address the different topics. Right. Well, so, they did something similar the with album. This Is War. Didn't they, isn't that the album where they had 2,000 different covers? Because they had a face of each. Well, they had a face of different um, fans hmm. on the cover. Uh, this is a tiger. I, I, no, of course the the one that you see often is the tiger. That, that's not a. You fan. didn't you didn't know that one of their biggest fans that's, is a tiger. Oh man, that makes me like them slightly more. How, why are you King? doing this to me? Tiger King is a fan. Tiger King is a big fan. That I like sense. tigers myself. So you know, I didn't know it was the brothers Leto here. I didn't know that. Let's only, you didn't know. Only, it? No. Those are the only two remaining members. Those are the only two real consistent members, and right. I didn't know that they, they were both in. It. I don't like. For, let me just go for the record. I don't like Jared Leto anyway. I don't like him as an actor or as a music, musical artist, if you want to call him that, or as a person, really, very much. What well, he's you, more than just a musical artist. He's a, he's an artist all all yeah. around. He's I respect the actor. activism. What yeah, do you that's activism about as well? What do you dislike about him? I just he don't. He's a I don't tool. like his. Thank you. I mean, he is kind of a tool. Yeah, he's a crazy man. Well, I think I don't. I think he's disingenuous, which is kind of what a tool is. But what makes you think he's disingenuous? I don't like his stupid voice. I think that Thirty <laughs> Seconds to Mars, my least favorite part of every single song, is the vocal part. Yeah, every every time, hmm. except for the song, except for Walk on Water. That song sucks. It's not good at all. He's a pretty good vocalist. I don't like it though. I don't. I don't, I don't like his acting either. Oh, I love mm. his acting. I don't like his acting. I do like him in one movie. I was Fight I was Club. Assume, no, no, Fight Club is not really like one of his big movies, obviously. No. And his like his role is kind of minimal in the film. Yeah, most people might He's not even think about it. He's known as being a pretty boy in that one. And He's then they too punch his face off. You're gonna have to edit this for my mother, but he's too fucking blonde, bud. He You're too, too fucking blonde. Your mother listens to this. I don't want her to because she's gonna get disappointed in all of us. 
because she she doesn't listen. She doesn't know anything. She said, "I'd like to listen to your podcast sometime." And I go, "I'll let you know when we have an episode. You might actually understand." Mm. Ooh, mm. take that, mom. Send it, send her Bill Withers. I'll send my dad Bill Withers. Anyway, yeah, I um I think it's probably Requiem for a Dream, right? No, really, he's okay in that movie. I guess I do like that movie. I like yeah. him in American Psycho. Oh well, that's totally yeah, fair that's too. Good. You know one of the reasons I like him that movie because he dies. God, you gotta die. Got it right. Got it right. <laughs> yeah, he's got I some sweet business cards that. too. I guess. Really jealous of those cards. I'd love to see uh, Jared Leto reenact some of those scenes while describing his music to people and then murdering them. Oh, that would be fun. You know, a beautiful lie. You know, I was really going for, you know, this this grand concept. Yeah, like He's like mm-hmm. really getting into the, the song work, and then he hits them with an axe. Sure. That's so. what happened to him. So, you know, it's just like revenge for him now. Exactly. He got a lot of inspiration from that scene. Yeah. In he sucked as now. the Joker a bunch. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's it's fair. Awful. And it was the character didn't even make sense in the movie. Let's just get that out there and be done with it. They cut so much of it out. Like they It cut didn't make the sense whole... anyway. It has nothing to do with him. Yeah, they, well, they cut all of his parts out, basically. Yeah, because why would, everything about him? Why would he be in there? It's a good question. It has nothing to do with him anyway. Why did they film so many scenes? Oh, to tease it to make people come watch their movie that wasn't good. Probably. Yeah, that's what it was, man. Agreed. It was not very good. It was not. I was looking at, um, at while he prepares for roles, he just fluctuates in weight like nobody's business. Christian like, bailed it. Yeah, like uh, for Speaking the <laughs> which is who killed him in American Psycho. It's a full circle, buddy. Oh yeah. The one he plays a heroin addict. Which one is that? Requiem for a Dream. Yes, yeah. he lost like sixty some pounds for that. Well, you would have to to play a heroin addict. Yeah, probably. yeah, you would. He that gained would probably it, be required. He gained it all back to play another character, and then he lost it again. Mark to play David else. Chapman, the man who murdered John Lennon. Yeah, that was quite the role when he was that size. Is that his name, Mark David Chapman? I think it's right. I think so. Maybe yeah, sure. I think yeah, that sounds right. He wanted to impress that girl. Jody Foster. Mm. No, not a good plan. Yeah. He gained like 20 pounds of muscle for the Joker. It's just ridiculous. What actors do, man. All of his roles. Quite impressed now. Thank you. All of his roles are just like, how many pounds? All right, I'll do it. I can make that. Is that what it is? I think so. We want Jared Leto for this role. Why? Well, he's really good at at cutting and gaining weight. I charge a million Uh, per pound. But he's not. But we don't know if we want his acting. So it doesn't matter. He can he can gain weight and lose weight quite easily. Do you think he does that for his albums too? Probably. Probably. Yeah. For, might as for well. each for each album, like from this is like a beautiful light of this is war. He's got those kind of couple yeah. years to really fluctuate. Mm-hmm. Did you guys see how long a beautiful lie was like an active album that they were working on? No. How long? So that album came out in 2005. Yes. And they were winning a music video award for it in 2008. Hmm. Because the album didn't release in Europe until 2007. Hmm. And so they were like actively touring on that album for like three years. Hmm. Well, it's their best album, so. It is. It is their best album. <laughs> it's not a great album, yeah. but there are great songs on the album. From Yesterday is a really, really good song. Mm-hmm. Obviously, The Kill is their most popular yeah, song. Like it's that. very good. I don't like that song, though. Beautiful Lie, Attack. Like oh, There's a, quite a few good songs, you know, but then there's also a couple duds. He directed the music videos. Did you see that? I did. That as As the uh, pseudonym character Bartholomew Cubbins. Yep. Which is the name of a character in a Dr. Seuss book. Hey. Is it? Yeah. Bar- uh, it's uh, Bartholomew Cubbins. Or the 500 fa- hats of Bartholomew Cubbins and also Bartholomew and the Umblek. Oh. Those are the two books that old Bartholomew was a part of. 
What an artsy guy he is. Oh, yes. I will concede that there are parts of songs I like. That's fair. Is that close enough? I think so. Can we do that? Yeah. Yeah, All right, I'll concede that. I'll agree with that. I thought the music videos were pretty good. I mean, The Kill kill is obviously inspired by... The Kill is obviously inspired by The Shining Mm -hmm. and music video. And then From Yesterday is a pretty grand music video. Like, there's a lot going on within that. And it's very... I mean, of course, you could call it disingenuine, but it's very artsy. There's a lot of like interesting visuals that are happening in the video. I think music, the music videos are my favorite part. That's fair. I think that I would. I think that is fair. Of course, I don't like the music, so it's hard to watch the music video. Yeah. All right. I think we're done hearing you talk about how much you hate them. I don't want to talk about <laughs> how much I hate them. I like it. the activism is cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I already mentioned I like the idea for the. I know for the thing. What, what about the, the activism? Like, what what is the activism? The listeners are not like familiar. Yeah, of course. They, yeah, he's very active in the ism. He's a he is heavily promotive of of protecting the planet. Yes, mm-hmm. which is commendable. So there you go. They had he a beautiful life dot org. They created the website where you can go and learn and donate and things like that. Named after the album, and so you know I, that's cool. I appreciate that. They also donated a hundred and a hundred thousand one hundred dollars to Haiti. They did for the uh, hurricane fund or something like that. What was it for? You're looking at it, I think. What happened to Haiti? There was an earthquake. Yep. That's what do you it. mean? Are you that? Are you really? You can't remember what happened to Haiti? Port-au-Prince was totally destroyed. I haven't been there. Oh, oh my gosh! He also, in June of 2008, the band joined Habitat for Humanity to work on Home. Being repaired and renovated through the greater Los Angeles area. So, you know. That's pretty cool. Kind of touches me. Yeah. It's a former employee of that organization. I let everyone else so people know how cool I am. I (laughs) will say that in 2005, being the young man that I was, A Beautiful Lie was like one of the albums I listened to more than any other album. Really? Oh, I played that album to death. To death. And um, I actually, because I found this interesting, I didn't learn this until like much, much later, was the song Hunter off of that album mm-hmm. is a cover of Bjork. I saw. I like, I, I, li- I knew that song and then all of a sudden I heard Bjork playing oh, and I was like, oh, that was a cover. Like a young me would not have ever had any reason to understand that. Right. Let's play it. Laser sounds are good. You know what else came out in 2005 that clouded this album for me? A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. Oh, that's fair. By Panic at the Disco. And so I just lumped them all together and I said, nope. 2005 was quite the year for emo music. Mm-hmm. Really was. Yeah, well, you know, I once should... upon a time in 2003, Franz Ferdinand. Mm. Take a drink, everybody. I'm I just uh... to get it in for you, Jared. 
I don't really think of Thirty Seconds to Mars in that same group though. They're like a they're a rock band. They're Alternative not an emo rock, really band. So I yeah, think but that they do get lumped in though because of right. the fact that the the music scene of that time was like Taking Back Sunday. Yep. Panic of the Disco, Fallout Boy, like that was kind of the popular rock. They all got played on VH1. Well, you know, uh, on their first tour, Thirty Seconds to Mars. You know who brought them along for the ride? Wasn't it System of a Down? No, no, no. It was none other than Puddle of Mud. Oh, that's oh, that helps. They invited them to a six-week tour in the spring of 2002, even before their album was released, their debut album. That's true. I really like Puddle of Mud's cover of About a Girl. Yeah, I'd look into that. Everybody, check that out. So, did you read about their dispute with their record label? A little briefly. bit, yeah. Yeah, briefly. So, they, they have... It was so... It was kind of a bizarre thing. Uh, it was during the making of... Uh, this is War, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they they were signed to EMI, which was an offshoot of Warner Brothers, I believe. And they just didn't... They didn't like the direction and uh, help that the label was giving them and stuff and so they cited uh in the state of california where they reside and they were signed and all of that you can get out of a contract after seven years and their contract was a nine-year contract they had to fulfill three of five albums within that nine-year contract and they hadn't done it yet but they wanted out of their contract and uh, because they were residents of california that the law qualified for them that they would be able to get out of their contract which the contract was uh they used a contract by olivia de havilland who was in gone with the wind who recently died she was 104 years old but she was one of the first um people uh artists i guess to get out of a contract in hollywood and not be um you know stuck with whoever they signed with and so they cited that contract, the uh, the Havilland Law, and they were able to successfully get out of their contract with their record label. But And it took three years. It was a three-year affair. And they finally settled and were able to get out of their contract. And during that, they made a documentary film about it, which is strange, about the getting out of the contract and also um, the making of the album in the same time. And then later they re-signed with the same label. They did. Because they felt like they were, the label was behind them and they believed in them. And through all of it, they were able to see. So they probably just wanted more money. Mm-hmm. That would But what is like, they were like Robin Hood or so, you know, like, and then they ended up just signing with, with the, yeah, right. wow. I wonder why I think he's disingenuous and stuff. I know. Well, there you go. It's really painting a great portrait. They also said a... Uh, Guinness World Record for that album. Oh, yeah. What was it? They played 300 shows in one album cycle. Oh, wow. On to- yeah. While touring for that. And they set a Guinness World Record. They're mm. very active in terms of like live performances. Yes. Like they, they perform a lot. Yeah. In uh, 2010, uh, a song kick study indicated that they were one of the hardest working artists in 2010, which I'm sure it's still accurate. But that like right. during that year, they found it. They do. It's interesting. His career, you know, obviously he's got both. And when he first started 30 Seconds to Mars with his brother, um, he didn't want his acting to be associated at all with the band. He didn't want anybody to know he was Jared Leto, the actor, which at that point he wasn't super 
well no, known. He hadn't no. won or been nominated for an Academy Award yet, which is so bizarre that they his successes coincided with each other. Right. And I don't think necessarily that they... I mean, they obviously did help each other a little bit. Not really. It'd be more the music that would help than the acting because it's not like... If you're an actor, you're not going to, there people aren't going to be like, let's get that guy in a band in our movie. You know, like he has to be a better actor than he is a musician, which he probably is. But the acting came first in terms of success. He probably played music before he acted. But it is like weird that, you know, he's got Grammy nominations and very popular albums. And also he, in 2012, was nominated for. Uh, what was that movie called? The one with the Matthew McConaughey? Oh, uh, Dallas Buyers Dallas Club. Dallas Club. Buyers Club. Yeah, 2013. Oh, 13? Okay, yeah. So, like, I mean, I yeah. don't know. I don't know how like, he does it. Like, no, I don't know where he finds the time. Like, yeah. how do you have that many live performances while also being able to be somewhere to film a movie? He also started, uh, like, a couple businesses, too, in Did the he? middle of all this. Yeah, I forget what they were. Listen, one thing you're forgetting is that when you have lots of money, you can do basically anything. Hmm. I suppose that's true. I mean, it's legitimately true because that's one thing you don't have to worry about. Right. So you can just devote your time to doing all sorts of things. That's true. So thanks, Jared Leto, for being a total douchebag. Well, come on now. He's not like... We don't get to do that. I'd love to do lots of various things. You I don't do whatever I want. money privilege. Okay, well, Tyler... All right, anyway. Hold on. Hold on. If you're going to talk like that, you know better because you don't blame the person. You blame the system, Tyler. Well, I blame the system until you take advantage of it, and now you're also at fault. Take advantage of it. He works yeah. very hard. He has to He's tour a, all the time. He works a lot. He does lots of things. All right. Oh my gosh. Why we? Why his, we got to bash him? His right acting now? career. Nice. His acting career started in. Well, here's what's interesting. His acting career. His first film was in '95. Prior to the formation of the band in '98. Mm-hmm. But then, but he was in some TV shows before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, his for instance, the Big Fight Club and American Psycho were in '99, 2000 mm-hmm. films, which were prior to the release of their debut. Yeah. Record, yeah. so uh, it's kind of weird to see which one. I don't know which one came first. Who knows what came first? Because how many shows were they playing between '98 and 2000? Were they doing something? Well, you know what I mean? Like I think the, four years I to think put the out the an show album. he was on um, was my so-called life or whatever that one was. Yeah, uh, which was earlier '94. Yeah. There's no way he was. He wasn't in the band in '94. So the the no. acting happened first. Yeah, but which you're talking? We're talking about like which one would he be most prominently known for to begin with? He wanted to maintain separate, and you were mm-hmm. talking about hey, well, which one? You know, he really wasn't known until he got these nominations later on. But people knew mm-hmm. people would recognize him from Fight Club, and more prominently, probably because in Fight Club he's kind of look a little weirder looking. He does, he's not as Jared Leto looking as he is in American Psycho. Yeah, uh, but we both had, of those uh, came out prior to them releasing any music. So he, he was in the movie Urban Legend in 1998. And we had Caleb and I had that on DVD. I love that movie. Uh, it was okay. It's an okay movie, um, but that was 98. You know, and we knew who, about him through that in 1998, and we didn't know about his music until right because didn't because there's nothing. Well, I mean, the first album was was it uh, we, three, I believe. Caleb had a CD single I of did. the first. A single from the first album. He yeah. owned that. And I really didn't like Capricorn. Yes. Um, but it was in I, 2003. Is that correct? Yeah, something that, like that. That first release was 2003. But he didn't get it in 03. He got it after probably he listened to um, oh, the the 2005 album. Yeah, I believe that is correct. So. But but your listening doesn't dictate the listening of the music crowd. 
That's my point. We were younger. We were young, but people were listening. Mm-hmm. Like 2002 is when that 2002. Was. So the first time they released music for anyone to hear, not just you and in your infancy, mm. your childish days, was in 2002. That's my point. It doesn't matter when Caleb got the single. It's a matter of when they put it out for people to listen to. There were people older than you who would have been affected by it at the time. Nobody's That's what I'm getting at. Nobody's older than I, me. Well, I'm older than you. <laughs> You're not wiser. I didn't. Did I say that? I Did I that say was part of the argument? Wisdom was not brought up. I just invalidated your argument, and I didn't want to have to, but you kept pushing me there. <laughs> so, Tyler, last last thing I want to know. All right. If you had to pick to listen to a Thirty Seconds to Mars album or watch a Jared Leto movie, I'd probably. Oh boy. You don't get Any, to pick which one. Is it a movie? Someone, someone else will pick for you. Oh. Is it a movie? So but, you have but to take, in the movie take choices, the in the, spin mo- the wheel in the of movie, are we talking a movie that he is that he performs in, or a movie that is where he is featured prominently? Featured a Jared Leto yes. movie. Okay. Probably a movie. Okay. Cool. Jared, I, I mean, it doesn't either one because I like him in both. It doesn't really okay. matter. You wouldn't. You would be stressed not, out over. I'm it. not talking shit about him. Sorry, his mom. Did you did you read about um, the the release of Up in the Air, the song? No, I didn't. So he they, he did a partnership though the band did with NASA, and uh, they oh. launched their first copy of Up in the Air, the song aboard Dragon spacecraft, uh, SpaceX CR two, and the mission was uh, launched atop of Falcon nine. On March 1st, sending the first ever commercial copy of music into space. That sounds fairly metalocalypse mm. I forgot about that. That is, I do remember that now. Something that That's something that Death Clock would do, so I respect that. Mm. I respect any action potentially also could have been taken by Death Clock. That's good. That is good. Would you like to play... Uh, in 2016, uh, he did a, a bit of a tribute to those that have gone before us. Uh, for BBC Radio One, they're they're relatively popular in Europe, it appears, because he they're on uh, uh, BBC Radio One doing covers and such. Um, they did a cover of the song "Stay" by Rihanna, which was really nice, beautiful little song. It's one of my favorite covers that they've done on there. And then they also did this little number that uh, Caleb was about to play for you. Won't you come? Won't you come? 
There's a little tribute to Chester Bennington and uh, Chris Cornell as well. He did a whole George Michael's in there too. Five different tributes in one song, all dead. That's not that's um, hmm. Hmm. Is I mean can that you, that can was you a sad year for music. Only to Chris Cornell. He died. Okay, fine. The point was, was I just that mentioned was the all, dead people. Oh, you're right. All the artists right. I know passed I'm right. away. You're right. Don't get so black-headed, black hole sun-headed. I thought there were some okay parts there, just not the Bowie part. I thought maybe you would like the Bowie part. I, like I Bowie. appreciate that Bowie was in there, but I don't think he did it justice. We wish he wasn't in there because he would but not else, be dead at that elsewise, point. Otherwise, it was, that was, that was uh, respectable. Yeah. Way to go. Respectful. Way to go, Jared Leto. Bud, you've done it. I respect that. You've done it. You did, a, you did a tribute. We ready to transition? Hold on. Yeah. I have um, a little list I want to read. This is a list of things that Jared Leto sent to his castmates of Suicide Squad. Uh, we have a video message. Starts off soft. A live rat. Bullets. A dead pig. Anal beads. Used condoms. Sticky porno mags. And a love letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not a weirdo. Not at all. There's no totally way, normal. That's man. not like borderline really sexual assault in a way. To be honest with you, it's fine. Not at all. It's totally normal. Yeah. He Ledger died when he had to play the Joker because he went so crazy. Jared, didn't you tell me that Jared Leto was in like hibernation when the pandemic? Yeah, I was going to mention that earlier. Oh yeah, please. he went on a, a a sabbatical as as one does, I guess, when you hibernation? don't have any. No, he's not a bear. Like, what are you well, talking I mean, about? He does he woke, have a beard. He, he, woke he did up, gain weight sometimes. He took a nap and like ripped the Van Winkles. It lasted a while. He wakes up. Next thing you know, pandemic. He didn't know. He came. He went on a two week sabbatical and he returned and he had no idea that everything had shut down in the U.S. And he was like, "Where was he at?" Uh, I don't know. Just somewhere in the wilderness. I didn't. I didn't see that much. Also, that happened with a. Another thing this week. I was week, just going to mention that. This week, uh, our, our Tay-Tay, Tay-Tay our girl. Taylor Swift released a new album called Folklore. And uh, one of her fans, big big uh, Swifty, uh, she was on a two-week break. And she said, if anything goes on this week, let me know. And uh, she, everyone, all of her Twitter uh, followers knew that she was a big fan of Taylor Swift. And so she was on this break, on this two-week uh, vacation, or I don't know exactly what she was doing. And uh, all these people were sending her messages saying, she's got a new album out, she's got a new album out. And, but she wasn't checking her phone because she was on a sabbatical. Her parents sent her a letter in the mail, and that's how she found out Taylor Swift had a new album oh, out. Wow. And then she returned later to find that Taylor Swift had sent her a message and also that she had gone viral with her uh, sabbatical, not knowing Taylor Swift had released a secret album. Wow. Who was that? Pretty exciting. A fan of hers. Some, some oh, just, super this fan. This is just a fan, a fan. Just a fan of Taylor Swift. Not if someone you, you know personally. If you went into hibernation, as apparently we're calling it, yeah. um, and you came out either in a pandemic or with a new Taylor Swift album, which one would you prefer? <laughs> I would prefer a new Taylor Swift album. I would Probably. Agree. I would Probably also would. prefer a new 30 Seconds to Mars album That's over fine. that. You know, you he's think, 48 years old. I know that. That's, that's crazy. Wild. It's pretty rough. He does he, not look that old. He's looking pretty good. Well, listen, what did I tell you about money? Why do you refuse to accept this? The mm. man's got lots of money. Mm. You can do anything. Mm. You can do anything. 
You can do anything. Let's transition. So uh, this week was Tyler's pick, and uh, judging by how that first bit went, I think any listener could probably reason how much Tyler likes the Mars Volta. They're not very good. They pretty much suck a bunch. I like them okay. They're pretty good. <laughs> I don't like them as much. Here's the thing about Mars Volta. I, res- I like Mars Volta, but I like At The Drive-In more. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so, and I love, I love me, I love Omar Rodriguez Lopez. He's cool. Right. He's super cool. He's pretty cool. And Cedric's pretty cool too. But I like Omar more. Don't tell him. And I'll keep it secret. They, I like at the drive-in because it's post-hardcore. What's right. really all right? Let's get. I'm going to get into some brief history because I think that this is weird. Because at the drive-in was post-hardcore based in El Paso. Mars Volta also based in El Paso. They had three albums plus some EPs. And their last album was the most successful album. This is a big album. I believe we listened to it during Fugazi Week. I believe we did, mm-hmm. yes. Relationship of Command, right? Relationship of Command, yes. And it, it came out in 2000. And uh, they're really good. And then there was some a bit of creative issues and infighting and problems in the band. So they, they broke up not long after the release, like a year after the release, I believe, 2001. And... Omar and Cedric formed Mars Volta right. after another side project who, when they went on to explore, Mars Volta is considered a prog rock band, which forget about what you know about prog rock in terms of, because they're not, they were inspired by Pink Floyd and other old prog rock bands, but they bring the post-hardcore feel to prog rock is how I feel about it, right? So it's not what you think of when you think of prog rock sometimes. So they did that. The other remaining members about the drive informed a band as well, and they are just an alt rock band. So it's kind of weird to think that like a one of probably the largest post hardcore band of the what would be the aughts if it, they were to continue turned into two totally different things that have nothing to do with post hardcore really in a way. Now, I mean Mars Volta is much closer, but it's weird to also see him going to the other people going to an alt rock band. What was the alt rock band again? I don't remember the name. I don't. I it, was a, it, it was a weird name. Yeah, I listened to a little bit of it. What's funny about that that progression though is that the alt rock band that you're describing was after the two, you know, prime members of the Mars Volta had, you know, broken up from the Mars Volta. Right. And they had a pretty, like, a relatively messy breakup from what it sounded like. And so they went from a breakup to coming back together and, you know, rekindling their relationship and then starting a third band. Yeah. I don't, I just it's don't, weird. I don't think the two of them can ever really get away from each other in music. No. what it comes down to. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good. That's a good point. Well, you know, most of the Mars Volta music was solely um, Omar. Omar yeah. only. Yeah, I mean he, the lyrics and some of the lyrical melodies are are Cedric, but almost all of it is Omar. Yeah, he's definitely the the band leader of yeah. it. They he, they described some of the the music that he did was like Miles Davis. Yeah, that they, that was a list on the list of the influences. Yeah, because it has kind of a jazzy something. It, it does have say. some jazz elements for sure. So we, we also said that um, they each 
member did their own parts to the music without knowing what the rest of it would sound like. Like Miles Davis, yeah. So so they each person was making their own like guitar part, drum part, and they didn't know how it would fit into an actual song. And then they just put it in there, and so it could be kind of uh, disruptive, if you will, potentially. So that was an interesting little thing there. Yeah. So uh, I'm sure you guys remember last week where uh, I listened to every Manchester Orchestra album. Yeah. Mm. I-, I did it again. Well, yeah. there's not a whole lot. So you, you all the 30 Seconds good. to Mars albums? No, no all not Mars all Volta the 30 albums. Seconds to Mars albums. Though I'm more for, I was already more familiar probably with their music. Because of a beautiful lie, mm-hmm. um, well, I don't. I I had listened to their albums. I don't know. It's hard to say. But I I re-listened to or listened to every Mars Volta album mm-hmm. during this week. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I you got six. So you know. Yeah, and they're long. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, their shortest album is fifty minutes long, mm-hmm. and the majority of them are an hour and fifteen minutes. Oof. It is an experience getting through a Mars Volta album. It's certainly more experimental. Oh, absolutely. And then, uh, you want to talk about experimental? This is what, that's why I kind of scoffed at the experimental nature of that, Thirty Seconds to Mars, particularly in comparison to, yeah, in comparison to Mars Volta, which is obviously just well, they bring in they bring in elements of jazz, Latin music, psychedelic rock, prog rock, mm-hmm. um, you know, post hardcore, like you said. Like, they, there's a lot going on in a Mars Volta song, really. Yep. It's not just an album that has all those elements. There are songs that are, like, seven to eight minutes long that bring in, like, a lot of all of those things. I Well, first, so Cedric and Omar are both of, uh, they're both Hispanic, right? And then so was, I believe, everyone, actually everyone else, because it, uh, Omar's brother came in at one as well. Yes. And performed as well. So... They they have always brought some of that influence, or kind of like, um, kind of like um, uh, rage. They don't bring as much influence in, but they talk a lot about issues of Hispanic people, right? So, well, in the other people in the group, but you know, particularly, you know, they have many songs about it because of because of uh, Zach De La Rocha. But they have always kind of talked about that stuff. And then I forgot where I was going with this already. I have no idea. I don't know. (laughs) know. I'll tell a story. Don't know anymore. I wish I knew because I thought it was good at the time. This is my one of my very few anecdotes of uh, the Mars Volta. I hope it's the one I think it is. Once we were at the bowling alley. Oh, never mind. (laughs) And uh, they have a jukebox, and when you're not playing, uh, save the horse, ride the cowboy, or like you're supposed to, or redneck woman, or Rob Zombie, Dragula, which are the main songs you play at the bowling alley. In my childhood, uh, we once played the Mars Volta, uh, The Widow. Is that what, right? Yes. And uh, it was a good song until about the three and a half minute mark where this was the not the radio edit. It was the album version that just had various strange noises at the end of the song. Let's let's play a little bit of just the... the in- and this is... Imagine bowling to this music. He's got fast in Sleep alone. 
and it's just that. For How like much a, longer does that have? Uh, well, it's got about two minutes and 20 seconds. Two more <laughs> minutes of that bowling. The bowling. Uh, do you blame... You can't blame the people who played it. You got to blame the bowling alley for putting it it's, in the jukebox. It's, it's the uh, touch tones. That's who I blame. Uh, touch tones, you, you bastards. That's, your, that's what you had. You dirty rats. At your bowling alley, you had a touch tones. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We had we had a jukebox, but it was a, a, a record player. Uh, it was a flippy boy where you get to flip through and you go, oh. They have, that was at the where you get surprised what they have. There's one of those decent. There's record. one of those at the at the Pizza Hut. And one time we played. Man, we Bombs had, by System of a Down, yeah, I, I and my mom uh, did not like that one bit. Well, you know, way she goes. I remember where I was getting with my point. Oh, Please you found it? I found it in my brain. Uh, I had to come up with a whole story for you. To in my it. brain. I, I found it right. I actually found it right after you started talking, but I wanted you to continue your story. Mm. Uh, because what I was saying is that uh, the, we're talking about the elements of their music and all of the things that they bring in. So they bring in all this stuff. So it makes sense they bring in Spanish stuff. I have a, and this is a, this isn't at the drive-in. Uh, reference, but the same applies for Mars Volta. A buddy of mine found uh, unmixed somewhere online. I don't know where. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I also believe that it's probably illegal. Unmixed tracks where you can separate each each individual track is separated. It's a file you can just pull into a DAW and it separate all the tracks are sitting right there from at the drive and from the entire album of Relationship of Command, pretty much. So you can individually play each thing, you know, because it's all overdubbed, and the the amount of guitar work that's in that album is 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 crazy. Like right. it's super layered more than you think. And then as you get more experimental, get into this, like I'm, all of those influence, all those little things they bring. It's it's very dense. It's super dense. Very. And that I, every I now when I think about like the density of a song, I just think about like how many tracks it would be if you were to get that and pull it into a doll and look at it and just be like. Oh my god! Because I realized some of the things that I've noticed in songs that I thought were just like kind of part of a regular one portion of the guitar track is not at all. It's like its own thing that goes on the whole time, and and it's hard to even notice it. So it's pretty wild the way that they, that Omar thinks about creating music. Well, the, the layers effect. the The interesting thing is, is if you work through all of their albums, as somebody did, um, they are. I don't want to say they're samey, but there are you know the same elements kind of come out in a lot of their albums, and it's very very difficult to argue that a music like prog rock is actually samey. You know, the, the, there's it sounds the same throughout because there's so much going on. With the guitar work, with the experimentation, with the 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 vocals, with everything that like even if it kind of sounds the same to you as a listener, there's no way that there's just a formula to the way oh, that right. Omar writes music because there's just too much. Like yeah. you, there's no way to have a, a formula to that. That it's just it's impossible. So I also found. Um, that they their concepts are very interesting, mm-hmm. and the one that I found most particularly interesting is the Bedlam and Goliath. Mm-hmm. But I will I'll work through a little bit of them. So their first album uh, is Deloused in the Comatorium. Yep, Comatorium, which is uh, a story about a man who does so many drugs that he goes into a coma. And the album is like his first person experience while in this coma, and like. It's real trippy and weird and stuff, which uh, makes sense because the Mars Volta does a lot of drugs yeah. or did at did one at the point time. in their time. Yeah, at the time. At the time. 
They, uh, they unfor- unfortunately had an experience where one of their members passed away from a heroin overdose, and that was the point where they said, we are done with doing drugs. We, we cannot keep doing this thing. Uh, Francis the Mute is an album that is about... Um, they found like a journal of a, um, a man who had this whole story about how he was like looking for his adopted family, and... Um, it's like a whole album based around what they read in this journal that they found, uh, and then all uh, uh, Amputecture also has a theme, but I'm uh, that one isn't as like pronounced really interesting or pronounced yet, like you said. But the Bedlam and Goliath is a really interesting story because some of the details of the album are based around their time in Jerusalem, where they acquired a Ouija board. And they uh, had some very, very weird experiences from it. They had, like, a sound engineer who started to, like, go into, like, a panic. He, like, started having, like, weird, um, like, mental issues that were going on. There, There was just, like, a lot that happened to them. And they attributed it to the fact that they had just gotten this Ouija board. So, it's... I find that very interesting. Yeah, that's pretty. Were they were, were they also doing drugs at that time? No. Oh, they weren't doing drugs. No, they that were time. not. That was past the point of doing drugs. Oh, well, that's fun then. Yeah, it was not the drugs. It was definitely the Ouija board. Huh. Full on Ouija. Full on Ouija. Um, I would say that Francis the Mute is probably unsurprisingly their best album. I know that that's an album that a lot of. So this is where we kind of get into some some stuff that is kind of weird when you think about it in terms of the way people have rece- received these. Cause I know I have friends who think Delouse from the Comatorium is by far where it's at. Yeah. Which I think is really great. But then the, the album that I'm most familiar with seeing is Francis the Mute. Yes. So uh, we'll, I'm going to bring it in cause I don't care. Pitchfork gave is not Pitchfork does not like Mars Volta. No. Which is odd cause they like at the drive-in. Yeah. They don't like Mars Volta. At Francis all. the Mute got a two, and The Last in the Comatorium got a four point nine. All their albums so, are pretty low. Yeah, but I they, think that their highest album was like um, Octahedron or something like that, and it was like a six. Like they just do not like. The they Mars don't Volta. like them, which I think is weird because the 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 concepts are I think are interesting enough on their own sometimes to warrant something more than that. Uh, but they're. Uh, I don't know. They've been well received by fans who like them, who who liked at the drive-in, who liked that type of music. Sure, but not well received critically. So I don't know. I think I don't know which one. I'm probably. I think probably the last in the Comatorium is something I'm more likely to just to shift to like go to. Yeah, as compared to Francis the Mute, maybe. But I don't know. They're both quite very. I think they're both really good. I enjoy it anyway, Jared. Cody, what do y'all think on that regard? I've never listened to a full... Well, I've, I I have listened to Francis the Mute, but it's been a very long time ago. The first time... Caleb and I were talking about this uh, this week. I think the first time I ever heard of the Mars Volta was uh, there was a magazine that I got from my uncle. It was called Relevant Magazine, and it was kind of a cultural-slash-religious magazine that kind of talked about music and movies and television and other things, and they reviewed albums. And a lot of the stuff I listened to back in 2004 2005 was stuff that like they reviewed and it's, I found a lot of good bands because of it and uh, this was one of them and uh, The Widow is the song that I kind of know the most obviously it's it's probably their biggest song 
Um, but I've never yeah. listened to like, I don't recall their full albums that much. It's not the kind of music that I really like that much, but the widow is such a different kind of, it's like, just a, a like a rock song, you know, like straight up rock song, not as, I mean, it, it's experimental, but not negatively, you know, there's a couple other songs that are out there that are kind of similar to that sound in terms of like kind of a shorter song. Like, Vermicide on Amputecture is probably one that you would enjoy. Like, mm-hmm. But you'd kind of have to hunt. It, it, really, you just have to look at an album and say, that song's 14 minutes long. No, yeah, not you. the 32-minute song, song that's on Francis the Mute. 32 minutes, yeah. one song. Uh, I will say, um, so at the end of At the Drive-In, there was uh, the Mars Volta. But did you know that there was also another band camp? Did you read this? Yes. Sparta. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. I didn't know that they were offshoot of at the drive-in. We liked yeah. them. They had a song called "Taking Back Control." I listened to that last from night. around 2005. I put it in the list, uh, the playlist, because I hadn't listened to that song in a long time, and I thought maybe it'd be thrown in there. But I did not know that. I had no. And it's interesting because we knew Sparta because we saw the music video for that. Yeah. And I never knew that it had anything to do with the Mars Volta or at the drive-in. It was much later. Like, I didn't know when Sparta came out that that's, they were an offshoot of the Mars Volta. That's the and main. there was a member of the uh, of Sparta who left Sparta to come back yep. to the Mars Volta. So Well, they, they didn't really come. They just joined because they never were that's part true. of the Mars Sparta Volta. Sparta is the band that the remaining members of at the drive-in formed, the alt-rock band that, I'm talk- that I was talking about earlier. Oh. I, I thought, thought you were talking about uh, the band that they, the Mars Volta created out. I thought no, so, too. No, no, no. Because the they also created when, a, a yes, alt rock band. But when At the Drive In broke up, yeah. Part of the. Yeah, Sparta. Yeah, Sparta is the band, the remaining members. They actually just had an band. album come out this year. Sparta did. Yeah, they did. But I, the, I, I say I'll listen to it. The thing we'll, is, is we'll that even, even Mars Volta had members from At the Drive In float in. That's why, that's why there's an over. That's why Sparta and Mars Volta have an overlap. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. because some of those members floated in briefly for a little bit. I thought, yeah, I thought you were talking about the the, the group that they had after the Mars. No, Volta. no, I'm talking about Sparta. I'm talking about the band that came out. There's two bands that came out of at the drive-in, yeah, indefinitely afterwards. And it's the members who were not interested in the prog rock experimental stuff, which created Sparta. Yep. Yeah, and then there's basically Cedric and Omar mm-hmm. who were more who wanted to push at the drive-in more experimental. To begin, no well, one that's one to. of the reasons why and at the drive-in broke up is they were they were mostly They're, bored. Right, that's what I was. Yeah, they were. They, instead of wanting to do um, post-hardcore, they wanted to do prog rock, and they they were like kind of on the cusp of getting to a point that they were going to be maybe a little bit more popular, like commercially, and that's when they got bored. Yeah, they, they said were like, I don't care. It, it, I read it said that they due to creative differences and discomfort with mm-hmm. mainstream success and drug abuse. Mm-hmm. That's that's when they broke up in two thousand and one and created Zimmer's Bulta. Yes, indeed. True. Did you read about their work with uh, Rick Rubin? I did. Go on about that. That's uh, interesting. So this was uh, talking about uh, Mr. Rick Rubin, famed producer, worked with Beastie Boys, worked with Jay Z, and worked with Johnny Cash. Very interesting. Uh, as, uh, among a lot of other people, but those are the, the ones I think of the most. I think he worked with Metallic at some point too. Um, that, but Rick Rubin, they said he oversimplified a lot of the parts that they thought were unique and just made them very digestible. He's got this thing about representing the common man's ears. I'd rather jab the common man's ears. If we don't, we'll never get to a place where future music exists. Let's listen to uh, a, a little bit of the, the song Inner Adiac Esp 
and see uh, how much he simplified that song, shall mm-hmm. we? Yes. I will say, DeLouse in the Comatorium is probably the one that's the le- the least, like, mind-fucky? I don't know. Jarring. <laughs> like, yeah. But, I mean, it's still, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in all these songs. There is. It, uh, a quote that he used that uh, speaks to that point as well is because I guess people were, I, I, I think probably what happened was at the drive-in fans who liked Mars Volta were not happy with people calling it prog rock. And uh, Omar says that the progressive is not a dirty word for people to use about us. Mm-hmm. If you're not moving forward, you're stagnant, and that's no way to live. That's right. That's a good quote. That is right. Did you read about who uh, a couple of the people that joined them at uh, various times on tracks? Yeah, this is cool stuff. A couple chili peppers were in there. You read oh, some spicy boys in that little pot. Spicy. Uh, spicy boys. John Frusciante. Is that how you say his name? Frusciante. And then also a flea bag. Yeah. Oh, good old flea. He was uh, on some songs. He was John. He was played on, bass on every song except for one on D. Last in the Commentary. Isn't that wild? Mm. And uh, Ampotexture. He was on the all. John John was on every track except for Asilis Magdalena. John Frusciante. Yeah, Frusciante. Frusciante. Fushi Fushumeshi. Fushumang. Yeah, Fleet is a good Smash Mouth uh, bassist who who was. Abilities were probably put to good use mm-hmm. in that album. However, the style he typically prefers is outdated and a little tiresome. Oh, dear. <laughs> outdated and a little tiresome is a fun way to describe that. Yes, it's our podcast, really. Um, <laughs> did you did you read and about the game? Did you read about the game that created for oh, yeah, I was, Goliath? I, I couldn't find it. Goliath the Soothsayer is an online game that was released on Mar- uh, January 2nd of 2008. It is based on a true story that inspired their album, The Bedlam and Goliath. I uh, I spent less time looking for that as much as I spent time looking for Rocky and Bullwinkle know-it-all trivia game. Oh, man. But I did look for that, and I couldn't find it either. That, That's a well, shame. you know, Newgrounds gave it a 9 out of 10. Did they really? They that did. game? Yep. Oh, my. I used to love Newgrounds, man. Yeah. I played Newgrounds on a daily freaking so, basis. Oh, you fun. better watch out. You better not cry. Or maybe the rain. I wouldn't have been surprised if I had accidentally run into that Newgrounds game like when mm. it came out. Yeah, because it would have been. Yeah. Because, well, actually, I don't know. That What, what did that come out? 2009? 2008. I was say 2008, eight. I think. So, yeah. I probably, I probably would have. So I found uh, so the I found a little bit of a connection between the two bands. No. Very small. They both have very pretentious reasons why they named their bands the way they did. So oh, yeah. the Mars Volta, uh, it's taken from a, a Federico Fellini book mm-hmm. about his films and what he categorized as a changing scene or a turnaround. A new scene to him is called Volta. And they said, you know, changing of time and the what changeover. And Mars were just fascinated by science fiction. That's what yeah, they said. Yeah. 
And uh, Jared Leto said that the name 30 Seconds to Mars, which was taken from a rare manuscript titled Argus uh, Parkerfex, he described it as a reference, a rough translation from the book. I think the idea is interesting. It's a metaphor for the future. 30 Seconds to Mars, the fact that we're so close to something that's not a tangible idea. Also, Mars being the god of war makes it really interesting as well. I hate him. Both both of them are <laughs> a little bit... Uh, yeah. The other one that's one, a small connection to... The other, okay. bef- the other thing I will mention, Caleb and I watched this video by a guy that makes some mashup videos called uh, Magic Mike. Where I think we played a few things. Yep. He's the one that did the killer surprised. song that we played one time. But uh, he did a thing about, um, oh, what was it? What was the original video where they're talking about the ACDC? It was, the video is uh, in order, the mo- the best letters in ACDC. Is it uh, the A, yeah. uh, the, uh, the C, the yeah. D, or the C after the D? And uh, you'd have to watch the video to find out which ones are his favorite. But What about the number one color in Green Day? That's a good one, too. But he was talking about how... ACDC was the first alphabetized band when you look up bands until those jerks 30 Seconds to Mars came. Because <laughs> numbers come before letters. Because numbers come before letters. Darn right they do. What was, what was the other band that came? Do you remember what it was? It was something and then 30 Seconds to Mars. I don't remember. I can't I remember. remember. It doesn't really matter because 30 Seconds to Mars came before ACDC. Yes. And they, because of that, suck. Hmm. And uh, uh, the other the other thing that's a minor, minor, minor connection between them oh, yes. is that they both have two members that are like, oh, yeah. that also that's have true. a lot that's of true. like a revolving door yeah, of people coming true. in. It's true. I got to say it because it's because I need to, because I can't keep myself yeah. from it. I think that Jerry Lowe is more pretentious because Fed- be Federico true. Fellini yeah. is not, is not, is not rare. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, he's, well, neither he's is a rare he's manuscript. Considered, he's considered one of the. The great, one of the best known filmmakers of all time. Yes, and uh, so as compared to Jared Leto's, yeah, but it was a book written about rare, him. Rare manuscript. I know, I know, I know. I'm just. There's a book written about his the way he makes movies. It's it's a book that talks about his style. There's not. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think that's particularly anyone who studies film school would probably be interested in reading in that book. Probably so. As compared to just someone who finds a rare manuscript like Jared Leto when he has a bunch of money to find rare manuscripts all day. Yeah. He found it on his sabbatical yeah. all those years later. And then he went back in the future. Yeah, yeah that's, that's because, why I named it. That's because he, with his buddy buddies, Elon Musk, here for the SpaceX release of that Ooh. thing, he has he's cracked time travel. Have you ever watched uh, that video of Elon Musk crying because um, the... Uh, because the people the, at NASA aren't behind him. Yeah. It is so funny. I want, it is so... I like, watch I watched... It. Somebody shared it the other day. Oh, it and hurts. It hurts. Um, they're like, look how sad he is. And then I watched it, and it was like, I don't really feel bad about it. Like, it is right. unfortunate that your heroes don't, um, don't like you. But at the same time, it's like if somebody created a way, like robot baseball players... And then they're like, oh, I just don't know why Barry Bonds hates me so much. And it's like, because he <laughs> took away the entire job that he had. Yeah. The uh, legacy and everything. Yes. We're wow. ready to vote. Sounds yeah. like. Yeah, we're ready to vote, I think. Uh, I will vote for 30 seconds to Mars. I will vote for uh, the Mars Volta. Oh, you're the man. I'll vote, I'm, I'll vote for the Mars Volta. I got to say, now, 
you mentioned as well, Jared, is that Mars, our connection between the members, was the god of war. Mm-hmm. And I think this truly was a war between two bands. I spent a lot of time thinking about it. How long did you spend thinking about this intro you're saying? 30 seconds at least. Oh, wow. oh, 30 seconds. At least 30 seconds I spent on this, but I think it's the Mars fault to you. Oh, yeah. Damn it. Take that. Guys. What, you thought he was going to tie you? I you was thought he was going to do that? I was hoping. Wow. Had, had I been asked this I like one song by 30 Seconds to Mars, and I, or by uh, the Mars Volta, and I like multiple, like, at least yeah, but you, how lots many, of songs from two how many, albums. How many whole albums seconds. have you listened to by 30 Seconds to Mars? At least uh, two. And how many whole albums have you listened to by Mars Volta? At least one. You you said you didn't even earlier. You said I haven't even listened to I've a whole probably album. listened to Francis. So you the don't Mute. you don't even it's know been though. Fifteen. You, you years. don't even know. So then I mean I'm just saying I'm just saying you're you can like it's like me saying uh, you know I don't like this thing because I only I only heard five things of this thing but i've heard like 20 things of this thing yeah, so i like way more songs it's, you also seek out I had things five that songs you like more it's true had, it's he, true if he liked those things more he would look into those things more maybe but he also you also don't know what you like if you've never experienced those things so that's right dax According to patreon.com slash record roundtable. I know how this is going to go. The patrons unanimously chose 30 seconds. Of course they did. Of course they did. Good. Good for them. But they, well, couldn't, for, I, they I, couldn't beat us out this week. Oh, our patron John saw 30 seconds to Mars uh, live when they opened for Incubus. Oh. Yet wow. another reason why they should not be the good band. Oh. What's wrong did with he, Incubus? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Did I'm he kidding. drive to can we see do, them? Can we do Incubus? I dig that. Nice. Wow. Did he go with his friend? Both Anna and Molly. Good job. What Jared. else should I do? Did I don't know. More? Let's continue your working knowledge of Incubus. Continue, please. What <laughs> can, else you got, Val? If we, he were at we the do... concert, would he choose water over wine? <laughs> can we do Incubus Driver? Uh, someday, yes. Yeah, it's on the list. Rule. No, it's not. I thought it was on the list. It's not it is now. We've talked about it multiple times. We it should it be on the list. the list because nobody said they wanted to do it. Oh. But I want to do it because I love Bus Driver and I think Incubus is cool. Sounds like it's now on the list again and you have at least two votes. Thank goodness. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Good Band, Bad Band. Let us know who you like, who you think is the good band. Check out our various... God damn it. <laughs> Check out our various uh, social media bits. Next week we're doing Aqua Bats. Goodbye. I've been fooling you the whole time. I love me some 30 seconds tomorrow. I've okay. been a fan since 2004. I was uh, waiting for that album to come out in 05. came out. I was like, dang, go on, bud. Pretty solid. Jared Leto is an okay actor. Most of his roles, uh, the early roles, I enjoy when he's like a cameo dude. His main act, I still don't like the Joker, but the rest of it's not too bad. 30 seconds tomorrow is really pretty much kind of okay. They're kind of okay. I listened to him for a little bit there, and it wasn't too bad. I just wanted to put on a little show. They're okay. Yeah, that's they're, the best they're, you could. Pretty good. I listened to some of that quite some time, and I gave it up uh, when all my friends started liking it because I don't, I don't want to like what people like. You wouldn't, mm. Gary. Can somebody call me and, and let me know about uh, 
garage over there what's going to go on because i got to get that fixed. So somebody give me a call. Bye. What? Play that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hold on. Uh, Gary, can somebody call me and, and let me know about the, the garage over there, what's going to go on, because i got to get that fixed. So somebody give me a call. Bye. Yeah, that's that's real. <laughs> that is yep, real. That yep, is real. Right. Not real. How do we know our phone number? They, they don't know. They've messed up one digit is what probably is what no, it was. Like, how do I know? 